Testing, testing. One, two, three. Three, 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 three. We're back. We're back on the block. We're back in black on Backlick Cinema, the podcast. I'm your host, Zoe. That's Z-O or Z to the O. Taking a look back at the movies of yesteryear. It's the 98th episode. Thank you for downloading or streaming. We really appreciate it. We watch movies that I love when I was growing up in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. And if you like this show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SpotChaser.com, or your favorite podcast app. Finally, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and now Mastodon. You can find the details in the show notes. And now, as promised, I have a return guest. I have asked her back because of her intelligent outlook and her bubbly personality. Please welcome, from my streaming bubble podcast, Jen! Yay! Thanks so oh. much. What a, an amazing introduction. Thank you. I uh, I appreciate that. So I thank you so much for having me back. This is I'm looking forward to this. All right. Thank you. Um, let's see. I just realized that when I got up to close the door, I don't think I was wearing proper uh, pants. I think you saw. <laughs> I, I didn't think, see. I swear. <laughs> I think I was in my long johns. I was like, oh, my God. Did Jen see me in my long johns? <laughs> <laughs> I saw nothing. And you know what? Long John sound really comfy and cozy right now. So yeah. It's like nine degrees now. here. It's oh, cold. well, we're a yeah. little bit warmer, but still, uh, I don't want the, the thermostat all the way up to 90 degrees. So <laughs> I hear you. <ya. laughs> right. So um, I had mentioned that uh, we had started a Mastodon account, and I think you have too. Well, I think so. But I can't seem to get it's really confusing. I in all these like everyone's kind of scattering to try and find a possible replacement for Twitter. That's the one that I seem to have the most issues with. I I try to click on a community and get logged in and I I I don't get it, but I've got God, I started oh, I'm I'm on the Tumblr now. I've never been on Tumblr. Right, so. right. <laughs> <laughs> So that's exciting. Right. Um, <laughs> and I think, what was another one that I, I feel like I just went through one day? Oh, in Discord. Right, so right, right. I can be found there. And now I'm seeing stuff about an app called Hive, which seems to look more like Twitter and possibly behave a bit more like Twitter, just from what I've seen on other people's tweets and screenshots. So I think I'm going to wait a little bit before I do another account on another app somewhere. So. Right, right, right. I mean, most of us have already got, like, the best alternatives. Like, most of us have Instagram and most of us have, uh, right. like, Facebook. And so a lot of people are probably just go back to Facebook. I was like, let's go back to that toxic dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'm sure it won't hurt. Yeah, right. <laughs> and um, the other one was... Uh, no, I can't think. Oh, I, I did start a Black Twitter account. There's, and it's a web app. It's called Black. Well, the unofficial name is Black Twitter. Like when you look, if you look for Black Twitter, that's what it'll show up. But I think the official name is Black Version. So that I guess to avoid copyright issues or whatever. Okay. <laughs> but all right. It's not, it's not, a, I haven't really been using it. I just signed it. I just reserved my name. And I, it doesn't have, it doesn't have a, what you call it. 
a web like a phone version, like a phone app. You oh, can only okay. use it on on the internet browser. Oh. But um but yeah, uh but I'm I'm on Twitter more than ever because I'm just it's like being at a house that's on fire. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or not being in the house but watching a house fire. So you're like, "Oh man, I, it's really going up." <laughs> it's, it has been a place to be these last few weeks. Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm there until the end. So it's yeah, uh, yeah. It, it it's been kind of like you said, like kind of wild, kind of chaotic, and but still very entertaining. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> still that, very Twitter. Yeah. So that that's that's exactly right. It, it hasn't uh, failed yet. It's it's kind of like and people are uh, predicting the failure. Like it could, like some engineers saying it could fail six months from now. It could fail tomorrow. Like and certainly, uh, like maybe you try to tweet and the tweet won't go through. Or your feed won't refresh like it's supposed to or something like that. It'll probably be something minor and then something major. But it's not going to be like a crash where everything just stops all of a sudden. Right. It, it'll, it's kind of like a, it's it's like when you don't pay your cable bill, right? So it's <laughs> you miss the first month, you'll still get cable. It'll still be good. And then, like, after about a month and a half, maybe your internet goes out or it's slower than it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I have noticed kind of little things where I'll go to someone will like quote retweet something. I'll go to click on the original tweet and it'll pop up like nothing will come up. It'll look like the tweet has been deleted. I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I'll refresh and then bam, it's back. Yeah, so I'm just yeah. like, oh, OK. So these little kind of glitches I, I've noticed. And I feel like I know I know a fair number of folks have left Twitter but I feel like I'm not seeing I'm seeing too many like um like accounts you might like, like based off your likes, not necessarily someone I'm following. Right, right, right. So I feel like I'm missing a lot of uh, uh accounts and like when they tweet. And maybe they're just not tweeting as often. I don't know. But I just feel like I just feel like there's something weird going on on my timeline. Like I'm not seeing everything I should be. Yeah, it seems Does like that makes sense. Yeah, it's I think it's been doing that since before the new ownership took over, because uh, I think recently I, I've been getting a lot of I've been seeing a lot of tweets from people that a I don't follow B I have like an opposing view on like that. They, they have like different political views. Like, why am I saying this? And they're followed yeah. by people that I follow. So and I think they're following them to when they say something stupid, they can be mocked or whatever, mm -hmm. but not necessarily people that um that they that they might enjoy right they just right. following those people to to catch them and and i don't know make some jokes or whatever and it's like and i'm getting these who's like i don't like this person why am i seeing this <laughs> yeah exactly it's like if i wanted to see that person's tweets i'd be following them right but right i don't and so i'm not so yeah i agree like that's been going on for a while now but... yeah yeah so Ugh. but you know it's 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 a lot of work to try to try to try to build a new following or whatever, especially when you started, uh, you know, you're starting off small and you're slowly growing, and all of a sudden one of your avenues for growth is like cut off. Yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. But it's not gone yet. Yeah. So, so. switching gears, what what have you been watching lately? Oh, let's see. What have we been watching? I've been so we've been catching. Catching up on The Walking Dead because I got a late start on that. So we're almost done with whatever episodes are out right now. I think we have like two more to watch. 
And and I've actually been really enjoying that. I've talked a lot of crap about that show over the last couple of years just because it's kind of it has kind of fallen off. But I admit I've I've really enjoyed it. I will always love this show. It will always have a special place in my heart and in my pod basement. Um, so it's but I just I need to see it through to the end. I need to make sure that it is dead. <laughs> Does not come back. <laughs> Yeah, the the comic series is already ended, so I guess they're figuring yeah. out how to wind the show down. Because it's like, uh, or they might be like Supernatural, just go on forever. <laughs> it seems like that's what they're trying, at least like the universe, because they've got, you know, a couple of spinoffs now, I think, and maybe working on a couple more. I, it's, yeah, we'll see. But uh, other than that, my husband and I have also been watching Avenue 5 on HBO Max, and that has Hugh Laurie, Josh Gad, a um, bunch of other people, and it's so funny. And it's, they're a cruise ship, but in space, and everything goes terribly wrong, and it is hilarious. Yeah, I've heard only about like, that. Yeah, they're only like a half hour uh, per episode, so it's kind of a quick and easy watch, but... It's I oh my god I think definitely more people need to watch it because it's so funny, but I think I read that this might be their last season because their first season aired, and then COVID hit and shutdowns went into effect, and so this second season has been delayed. You know since then, right? So I don't know if they're really gonna how much longer they're gonna continue, but we'll see. It's it's a lot of fun. I love it. Hugh Laurie and the cast and just the the interesting characters that are on this cruise ship. So it's, yeah. So that's what we've pretty much been watching. Okay. That's, that yeah. sounds fabulous. Yeah. Uh, when you, you mentioned a cruise ship in space, so it's almost like they're trying to recapture the flavor of the love boat. Yeah, maybe a little <laughs> bit, but more disastrous. Or more disastrous. <laughs> Is it, are they, are they the same guests every episode or are they having new passengers come on? every episode or how does that work it's pretty much the same guests so what happens is they're a cruise ship in space and they basically are now stranded in space and it's how they are not handling it well there's that component <laughs> of like group like uh mass hysteria and kind of all that and it's but it's done in a it's really funny but at the same time it's kind of a little scary because you see the way these passengers behave and and admitting like uh, yeah they're terrified they're all those things but they just behave in just the most irrational ways like at one point in season one they think that uh the airlock and people kind of getting lost out in space through the airlock is all fake it's all special <laughs> effects so they're just like oh this is all bullshit sorry and that's no, fine and, uh, we we have an e on our on our okay. <laughs> I know last time I didn't swear and I was like, oh my God, I can do that. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, but yeah, so they think that the whole airlock thing is fake and they start to uh, try to quote prove it to everybody. So people are volunteering to go into the airlock and then it's not fake. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and then everyone panics and it is, it's a good time. It's a good show. Now it's kind of giving me flavors of Gilligan's Island, except with. <laughs> Flat Earthers on board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they never got off the boat on Gilligan's Island. They never got off the boat. They're just lost at sea. And yeah. And, and they have flat earthers. So like it's all yes. fake. It's like, okay, go out there. Yeah. Have at it then. You go you'll kill us all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
That that sounds delightful. Yeah, it's a good show. I think you you might like. I think you'd like it. Have you been out to the movies lately? I have not. I admit I'm never or I shouldn't say never, but I'm not much of a big movie goer over the last few years. Uh let's see. Just cuz like especially when the kids were younger, they're older now, so it's, you know, that dynamic has kind of changed where we can leave them home or get the sitter or whatever. Um but I just I like to watch movies in the comfort of my own home and I can pause when I need to and I'm not surrounded by people that chew their popcorn loudly or need to whisper to each other throughout the whole thing. <laughs> Basically, I don't like people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so no, the short answer is no, I, I have not. But I know that there are some good movies out right now. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to see. In my living room. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they'll be there soon. That that window from theaters to home as you know gets shorter and shorter. And yeah. Sometimes, like if it's a particularly, if it's not like a huge like wide release movie, it'll go there like almost next week. Like there is mm-hmm. a, I I can't remember the name of the movie, but uh, it was in the theaters and it was like next thing you know it was at home. I was like, oh man, already it wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's movies that um like they have a sequel to what's it called glass onion no the the name of the movie is glass onion but it's a knives out sequel yes so i think knives out did premiere in theaters but glass onion is is on uh, netflix oh okay yeah yeah it's it's actually a net a netflix movie i was like oh that, oh. that's spectacular but i hadn't seen knives out yet so i feel like i need to watch that before i watch glass onion <laughs> yeah same same <laughs> So, um, wow, it's it's nice having you back. I really appreciate you coming here. And yeah. I'm glad everything's going fine with, with your home uh, theater experience <laughs> and to, watching <laughs> the shows that you get to watch. Yeah. Um, I, I myself am pretty much doing the same. I'm watching, uh, still watching Andor, still watching what you call that. Uh, there's an animated series called Vox Machina that I'm slowly going through it's like okay. i watch an episode like every couple of weeks and then i watch another episode and then two weeks have passed <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> not as consistent with that show as i'd like to be and then uh since a lot of my shows uh, the show that i have been watching ended i'm trying to catch up on other shows that um that i'm trying to uh like i'm trying to do a rewatch of star trek the next generation season six because i'm supposed to be a guest on another person's podcast called the green shirts podcast where oh nice it's it's the guy the host of the green shirts podcast he's never seen star trek the next generation so he's going through the seasons so now he's on season six and i've been invited as a guest i forgot which episode i'm supposed to talk about but uh, i want to get caught up on a series so by the time uh i'm uh, that i appear on this program that i i have seen the show that the show that i'm supposed to talk about yeah but but yeah it was uh it's fun and then there's um Lower Decks, which is fun because oh, I love they, that show. yeah, they, did you see that one episode when they're talking about, they, it's like, I think it's a season finale and the ship has to go to like the captain. She wants to institute this, this program called second contact and where they go and they, they reinvestigate the planets that have been visited by other starships on first contact. And they mm-hmm. go through this planet and it's a, it was a planet that was visited by the enterprise. It was 
it's actually two planets, the neighboring planets. And one planet was addicted to drugs and the other planet was supplying the drugs that they were addicted to. And mm-hmm. the Enterprise had basically cut off the drug supply and left. And, ha- yep. and Starfleet hadn't been back in like 20 years. So that was, <laughs> they hadn't been back in 20 years. They just left. It was like, yeah, that's exactly, that's, that's apparently that's what happened. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. I just, I love, I love Laura Dex so much. Yeah. That show is so hilarious. It is. It's awesome. So good. Yeah. And then like with the Green Shirts podcast, I listened to their first episode and it's like, I follow them on Twitter. So I see their tweets, but it's like, I don't know the name of any of the Next Generation episodes. So I see the screenshots. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I know I've seen it. And I, I, I remember what happens, but I'm like, I don't know what, what season, what episode. So I went back and I started and I listened to the first, very first episode because I'm like, well, I know that one. Right, 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 right. <laughs> And it was, oh, I loved it because I grew up kind of watching Next Generation. I'm a Next Gen gal. And so it's it's really interesting uh, kind of dynamic they have with uh, the host and, you know, any guests. And, yeah, haven't seen it. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. Right, So right. I, think, I think any Star Trek fan would really enjoy that podcast. Right. And I, I've only watched... Uh, like two episodes so far, and I, and I realized, oh, it's it, it's hitting differently than when I first watched it, right? So I was like, uh, so there, there's a season six has a, a premiere, the premiere episode, and they basically they they find that some aliens are going back to Earth's past to steal their souls. They they call it energy, but it's really their souls, and then they oh, go yeah. back to the future and they feed the souls to uh, their countrymen or something or whatever it, uh-huh. it's kind of, it's you know it's it, it they don't fully explain it they don't fully explore the aliens you just kind of see the aliens and um when the enterprise discovered this the solution was to blow up the aliens like it's no diplomacy or whatever <laughs> they were like totally gangster <laughs> about it they was like um yeah you're eating the souls from the people that live in the past so we're just gonna blow you up and that's basically what they did i was like whoa they were they were gangster uh sometimes yeah. <laughs> usually picard uh, tries to find a solution but uh it, it there was no solution to be had this time <laughs> nope nope yeah i remember that episode i love that because and then it's like we have paramount plus you know because obviously we're watching we've seen all the lower deck episodes so when we pick pull up next generation to go through and find like an episode to watch because i'm fine with just watching them out of order because right i'm good with that but we'll scroll through and we'll try and find one that we haven't seen in a while and that's near impossible to do because we've kind of cycled through and i've said it before but i think that's a streaming service needs to come out where you can shuffle a series Shuffle play a series. Like, I don't need to, like I said, I don't need to watch it in order. Right. I just would like to have it on in the background and just continuously play. And Next Generation would be a perfect candidate for that. So yeah. someone needs to get on that, Paramount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> or, or any of them, right? Any of them, <laughs> Any yes. of them could do that. Because there's yes. so many shows that, that you could shuffle, like, especially like sitcoms or, you know, yes. something that's non-linear be great yes. for the shuffling process. Absolutely. Oh, Scrubs would be a really good one. Yeah, for that Scrubs too. would that'd be, be awesome. a ton of fun. Right, right, right. I feel like uh, that's how I've always watched sitcoms. They they may have been yeah. played in in chronological order, but I've never known. It, it always right. seems to me that they've been scrambled. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So um yeah, so let's go dig into the the movie that we watched. Um, so the movie in India. 
in the opening credits section of this show, we're going to talk about True Lies. So, Jen, why don't you tell us what True Lies is all about? Oh, okay. Well, True Lies is about a a married couple coming together, <laughs> coming back together and reigniting that spark and finding love all over again. Oh, and then there's like, you know, spies and terrorist attacks and Tia Carrere. So <laughs> <laughs> um, that's how I like to think of this movie, especially after this last recent rewatch. Because right. I'm just like, I haven't seen it since I was younger. And now as an older person married with a family and everything, I'm like, this is just about a couple coming back together. Yeah. They're, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's really all it is. Pretty with much. With some fun action bits. Right, right. With some fun action bits. This movie was released July 15th, 1994, produced by 20th Century Fox and Lightstorm Entertainment. It grossed over $146 million in the U.S. and Canada and over $378 million worldwide on a $115 million budget and had great reviews. Like, yeah, it was it was a nice, tight little hit. It was a tight little hit, and uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. What's funny is that as good and as popular this movie is, it is notoriously difficult to find like right now it's not streaming anywhere you can't like buy or rent the uh streaming version of it so right now it's only available on hulu and hulu has commercials unless you get like unless you play for like a higher tier of hulu to get it without commercials which i don't have because disney because i have both hulu and disney plus but i get hulu for free through my phone my my phone service right so uh sprint which is now T-Mobile, is paying for that. So I get the commercial, but I can't upgrade it like by itself. So, oh, excuse me. So the only way I can upgrade, uh, update it is that I would have to cancel my Disney Plus subscription and then I would have to get the buy a Hulu subscription that includes Disney Plus. Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, that seems like a lot of it's, work. Right, it's a lot. It's it's something like that. Either I have to cancel my Disney Plus subscription or I have to cancel the Hulu subscription and then get uh, an, an upgrade that way. It, it's kind of weird because it's like Disney Plus, because you can buy a Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN package, but I don't mm-hmm. watch sports like that, so I don't want right. ESPN. If I could just get Hulu without commercial and Disney Plus, I'll be fine, but... There's no easy way to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'll just. But there was this other service. I think I streamed it some uh, on this. It was an online service that some friends had told me about. They don't want me to share it. So I'll just say I, it's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the legalities of this service, but they, they do have a lot of movies on the service. So and it's kind of a it's not easy to stream movies on there because they have a lot of pop-ups so you have to cl- oh. <laughs> yeah you have the challenge of closing the unless you're watching it on a laptop then it's not that hard but if you're yeah. trying to do it from your phone then you have to fight the pop-ups in order to watch it on your phone or to oh. stream it to your television and then uh sometimes the connection break it's a whole thing it's a whole it's thing it's a whole thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god but that is how i watched it and hopefully it will be available for streaming so I can buy it then, or maybe I'll see it at Target or something, and I'll buy it. I'll buy the physical copies. So I was like, "Now nah, you can't take this away from me." Ha, right? ha, 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 ha. <laughs> how did you? How were you able to manage to watch it? Did you have a copy? 
Uh, I we have a Hulu, so we've got. Um, yeah, we did the whole like Hulu, Disney Plus, and the ESPN package when like Disney Plus when that first when that package was like first announced right. and right. everything. So we and we don't give a spit about ESPN. We don't like you don't really watch sports at least not like that. We don't whatever. Um, but that's so that's just the package that we have because I was like I don't it, that just seems like the easiest one that's right. the one that they were pushing so I was like fine um so yeah so we get no commercials and um yeah just watched it on the old Hulu right because yeah when I searched it I was like that was the only place and I was like oh thank god because um it was too late to request a copy through the library <laughs> right 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 <laughs> Because when in doubt, because even if something is available on streaming to rent or buy, if it's not on any of the services that we have access to, um, because I can be kind of a tight ass and a cheap ass, I'll just get it from the library, um, even though it's streamable. It's like, I already pay enough for streaming services. I don't want to pay another $4 to rent a movie. (laughs) You know, what's funny (laughs) is that I always forget about the library option. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm not far from the library. I actually uh, voted there recently, but I've forgotten about... But they don't have a huge, like, uh, DVD library anyway. It's all DVDs. It's very few Blu-rays. And it it's not oh, okay. a expansive library. So that's not that's why it's not, never my first thought. Sure. <laughs> sure. But you might want to check because a lot of... Depending on where your library is at and neighboring towns and everything, they might do like interlibrary loans where they can borrow from each other. Yeah. So yeah. maybe your so maybe they might not have like our library, we don't have the biggest DVD collection, but other lending libraries that we work with do. So we actually will get uh a lot of copies from the other libraries because we don't have them. Right, but right. We're able to get them for the patrons. And <laughs> yeah, I kind of forgot about the whole the whole library thing until I started working there a few years ago. And then it was just kind of like, hey, you guys, do you remember libraries? They're still around and they're great. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I gotta I gotta take advantage of that resource. Yeah. And then there are um like library services where you can stream movies and music through it's it's hoopla. Oh. Um and then there are certain restrictions with hoopla, but you can stream music and movies through that. Okay, awesome. With your library card. Great. That I I need to I need to check out these other resources cuz you're right. It's especially if you're just renting a movie. Uh, I do it mostly yeah. for convenience, but it's like also why am I spending this money? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I'm I'm I I will pay for convenience. That is for sure. But there's just like I said with the rentals, I'm just like I no. That's I kind of need to draw a line somewhere. Right, right, right. So let's uh, transition over to find out who was starring in this movie. All right. So this movie stars uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Harry. We have Jamie Lee Curtis as Helen. Tom Arnold as Gib, um, Harry's partner. Bill Paxton as Simon. <laughs> uh, Tia Carrere as Juno Skinner. Art Malik as Aziz, Elijah Dushku as Dana, uh, Grant Heslov as Fazil. Did I say that right? That sounds uh, good to me. All right. <laughs> and, I mean, I could keep going, but uh, well, I think that's kind of the bulk of them. Or is there? I added uh, 
Charleston Heston as Charles, that's Spencer right. Tribbley. <laughs> that's right. You know, and when I was young, I never really that was who that was. Right. And right. it wasn't until like watching it now, I was like, oh shit. Right, right. <laughs> I don't think I gave him paid him that much attention to myself. But yeah, it, he's uh he's kind of an interesting character. He's not there, he's not like his characters built up. He's basically the there just to be the boss but mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was interesting seeing him there like seeing him and then recognizing him uh this movie was directed by james cameron he was uh he's also directed avatar the titanic terminator 2 judgment day and aliens and and many of your favorite movies he's uh and we i've heard he has a sequel to avatar coming out soon um so yeah uh it's funny because I'm not as excited about Avatar 2 as I am about any of his other movies. So <laughs> it's more like, okay, let's see what you can do. All right. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a fan of the Avatar movie. So I'm just with the sequel. I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. I mean, I that like that for me. Yeah, I like the first Avatar, but it's been so long. It's like you kind of... uh it's kind of weird coming back to it after I don't know, like I guess it's been ten years, I guess. Oh boy! So it's 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 a long time since the first <laughs> one came out. It's it's like a really long time. It was like, I, and for some reason, like, like if it was a Star Wars sequel, a Star Wars sequel has famously been like fifteen or twenty years or something like that between sequels sometimes, and I would get excited about that but not so much excited about Avatar because I felt like the story was told. So mm-hmm. what, what more are you telling is like, right. you, you did a good job. You can, you can let it go, but he's, he's bringing it back. So I was like, okay, well, well, let's see what this looks like. I'm, I ain't afraid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have the notes on uh, who wrote the movie? Oh, let's see. Where is that? Cause I've got my trusty IMDB up. So let's see. So this movie the writing credits are Claude Ziddy because he wrote the screenplay for the movie that this, like the kind of the original version of True Lies. So right. True Lies was based off of a movie called La Totale. Um, so it was originally written by Claude Ziddy, Simon McHale, and Didier Kaminka. I think that's Kaminka. Kaminka. Yeah, I don't. Uh, and then the, I yeah. don't envy you trying to pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> I did my best. Uh, and then the screenplay itself was written by James Cameron. Right. So I think La Totale was, or La Totale is a. Pro- I think it's a French movie. So he based. Uh, he. I guess he saw it one time. It was like, oh, this is awesome. I need to bring it to America, and he did well. He did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was. It's, it was awesome. The music was by Brad Fidel. He. Uh, also wrote music for Johnny Mnemonic, Striking Distance, and Gladiator. I think he has uh, he has a lot of film credits, so those are just some. But the, to me, this music was just like it was like standard spy music. It was not not it was it won't blow you out of the waters. It's not something that you're gonna remember, but it's it's good for this movie and mm-hmm. and it works to set the tone of of this. Uh, it's like a spy thriller with heavy comedy. Uh, heavy rom-com accents. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It's a very accessible movie for all people, I think. You know, like, I remember my mom loved this movie. Yeah, yeah. And it, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it aged pretty well, though. Uh, yeah. And when I watched it, I was like, it, it doesn't seem to me... The only thing that people might uh, have issue with is that they do have... that The main 
um, the main bad guys are Middle Eastern terrorists, which was yes. standard for late 80s, early 90s. When did this movie come out? I, I had said it earlier. Like- 1994. Yeah, right right for that time period. That yep. was uh, around the time of the first Gulf War, and there was an original attack on the Twin Towers. So yeah, yep. that uh, and there were a lot of movies that were, that were doing Middle Eastern terrorists. But I think that James Cameron was kind of cognizant of that. So one of the members of his crew is also Middle Eastern. So uh, that that was um, Art. So Art played. Art was the uh, he was the tech guy. He was he was actually the other guy beside the chair. Like so, you had you had Harry, and Harry had two guys in the chair. Mm-hmm. So his yep. his partner and uh, Art. So. Um, I'm trying to think of because uh, you, you went through the credit. Wait, do I have his name here? Oh, there he is, Albert Gilson, played by Tom Arnold. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, and we're going to talk about Tom Arnold a little bit more. So um, that's it for the opening credits. And if you're enjoying the show, please remember that you can get t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, face masks, jerseys, and more at our website, backlickcinema.com/shop. Christmas is coming soon, so try to order before December 11th and get all your gifts by Christmas. I'll leave the links to teespring.com and tpublic.com in case you have anything that you want from those sites. In particular, their pint glass is only available at Teespring, but I think I'll be able to put it up on the main website. Uh, Time will tell. Uh, I've got a couple of new designs up, but I haven't um, been really pushing them as hard as I should. Maybe I should advertise these products. Maybe that'll work. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. <laughs> I, I got I got one new design up that's based on the series Andor, and there was a saying in the series where uh, the guy goes, he says, "The uh, what does he say? I'm trying to remember. The axe forgets, but the tree remembers." So I ah. thought that was awesome and impactful. So I made a shirt that says, "The tree remembers." <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, very cool. Oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, I'm not working as hard as I should, but I'm working really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's very relatable. Like I, I feel that. <laughs> right, right. So, um, that as I said, that's it for the opening credits. And up next, coming up next, we're going to talk about our favorite parts. And we're back. We're back to talk about our favorite parts of the movie. It's my favorite part of the podcast. We just to gab and talk about what we liked about True Lies. So, Jen, what did you like about True Lies? Oh, my God. So much. I mean, I just really, really enjoyed this movie. And I, I haven't seen it since I was younger. And so to go back and watch it as an adult, it's still just as enjoyable. And I had a lot, a lot of fun. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint um, but I guess I'll go with kind of some of the more, quote, iconic scenes, um, Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, striptease and kind of and then when I was kind of reading up on the movie and a little bit about that, I thought that was all very interesting. Some of the kind of behind the scenes facts on that. So um, I always thought that part was so cool. And I just I love Jamie Lee Curtis. And it was just really, really fun to watch her character go from scared and unsure and kind of mousy to all of a sudden like 
that that confidence slowly coming in and slowly starting to show in her dance moves. And to the point where, like, her husband is just like, oh, my God. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> My right, wife can right. move like this? Holy hell. <laughs> right, um, right, right. And, you know, and she still was staying focused on her, her quote, mission. Right. And, <laughs> and that was just really adorable. And then that humor where she, like, falls but then, like, pops right back up. I, I love that part. And then even to the point where... Uh, the baddies bust in and they start dragging Harry and Helen out. And both of them are just like, let me handle, you know, she's like, let right, me handle right. this, Harry. <laughs> but she's like literally being dragged out. And I thought, I think Jamie Lee Curtis is so funny in this movie. And um, so, yeah, so that's definitely one of my favorite scenes. And then, um, and then, yeah, I think kind of that, one of the final scenes when they're the chase on the bridge and then there's like the limo fight with Jamie and Tia and that was always a lot of fun <laughs> and it was still a lot of fun to watch right um just in the back of that limousine and then even just kind of her being rescued in the in the helicopter and that shot and everything and i mean that's kind of i feel like that's one of the main shots that people think of when they think of this movie right her hanging from Arnie's uh, hand in the hell uh, flying in the helicopter. So, I I think I think we'll go with those. Oh, and then the tangos. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. So, I I'll, we'll go with those. Are my my top three. Right, right. I remember uh, in a well, I noted because I wrote notes in the beginning of the movie where uh, Harry is breaking into the his he's on a on a mission to get something, so he's breaking into the party. Mm-hmm. And he's underwater and he's cutting something, a gate with a blowtorch. And it's like, and I noticed like, wait a minute, he doesn't have any eye protection. How is he doing that? That ain't right. <laughs> and then it's like, I gotta, I gotta stop doing that. Gotta stop being yeah. so overly critical. It was like, it's, it's just a movie. Calm down. But Tom Arnold is one of my favorite parts of the movie. There, there's mm-hmm. so many things about Tom Arnold that I learned over the years and from rewatching this movie. So one of the things is that um, I didn't realize that that like even like when I first watched the movie, I didn't realize he was an actor. Like I thought that he was just like a background person and maybe a comedian. I didn't realize that you know he's a he doesn't act that much. You don't see him often, but he's a for real actor and he really he really surprised me. Even back then, he mm-hmm. really surprised me in this movie because I was surprised that he was even in the movie. And um he and I didn't realize that he and Arnold Schwarzenegger has a has a lasting friendship like they've been friends for years so i think the reason that he's in this movie is that is because he and arnold schwarzenegger are are, are great friends and they have great chemistry together and Mm -hmm. i love that about this movie it's like it it's like a romance that don't look like it works but it totally works yeah yeah no i i completely agree i always i've always enjoyed uh tom arnold in this and i think especially for like when this movie first came out and his relationship with Roseanne Barr and just kind of the shenanigans that they were getting into and then the messiness of their divorce and everything. I I had Tom Arnold always painted in kind of a different light as more about like more like his Arnie character from the original Roseanne series. Right. Just right. Kind of creepy and weird. Um, but I've always loved I, I was I remember being kind of blown away by Tom Arnold's performance in this because he he makes a good, um, you know, comic relief kind of, you know, companion to Arnie's character. Um, But he's not like overly goofy or overly obnoxious. He's funny, but his character is also intelligent and kind of knows his stuff. So I didn't mean to interrupt. 
but I completely agree. No, no, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, regarding his character, he's he's like the perfect uh, comic relief in this movie. Mm -hmm. Mainly because of the things you said. And really, he has, because he's already comedian, a comedian he's his comic timing and everything is just that the how he delivers his lines it's, it's it re- kind of reminds me of dennis leary because he talks really fast when he's trying to make a point <laughs> yeah 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 i can see it <laughs> and then it's like if you're not listening carefully you'll miss the jokes it's like you gotta you gotta really listen to him because he's he's throwing them out there like rapid fire <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's funny from the jump and then um and then the other thing that I, uh as i was watching this movie in the first scene, uh, the note I made was, how is this French? So, like, when he's, when Harry, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, is in the party and whatnot, he's speaking to people, he, somebody says something and he replies. No, when he first comes in, um, he pretends to be somebody who's complaining about the food, right? And he's complaining to, to somebody who's speaking French and he's replying in French and whatever. So, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, how is this French? Like, is it is it really good French? <laughs> I need somebody to... <laughs> to tell me how good it is because it's like i already know how his english is how is his french and then throughout the movie he speaks a couple of other languages i think there's a um there's a middle eastern language that he uses but i'm not sure what it is uh and it's a spy so it makes sense that he knows multiple language but i can't help but think how is this how is his language how is this mm-hmm. was, yeah his pronunciation his accent as when right speaking right different right languages right yeah that here's something that i that i found out that was fascinating that barely related to what we're talking about right now. So there was this TikToker that I'm that I follow and she's a woman that um she speaks with a heavy almost exaggerated Spanish accent like South um South American Spanish accent, right? And she's like dressed up like she wears this enormous hat and and she does different things and she does it with glam. Like everything she says is with glam. So sometimes she's cooking or sometimes she's shopping and then whenever she needs her husband's assistance, she calls him like he's a what you call it, like a servant or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but one time she did like a real video. I, I, I don't know if it was a live or if it's something that she recorded, but she did a video that explained that her accent is real and that she exaggerates it for the, because um, she's, she's uh, white presenting. So she doesn't appear, like she, cause she, she basically looks like a white woman imitating a Spanish person, but she... <laughs> But but she she's white in the sense that like uh somebody from Colombia would be white but living okay. but uh, living in Colombia. But she's uh I forgot which country she's from. But she's a citizen from that. She like she was born and raised in that country, and um she moved to Canada, and I think she uh she's living in Ottawa or something like that where they speak French. Mm-hmm. But the thing was is that um she learned English first and then she's speaking French, but. She found that when she uses her Spanish accent, it helps her to speak French. So that's why she still has her accent. That's why she didn't lose her Spanish accent. She still has it. And that's when she does a video, she's able to exaggerate her Spanish accent. So the reason I'm bringing all this stuff that seems totally unrelated is that I wonder if Arnold's, um, if his German accent helps him when he speaks other languages in a way that it doesn't necessarily help him when he speaks English, right? So if he's Ooh. if he's exaggerating his accent, does that help him when he speaks French or does that help him when he speaks uh, any other language? So that's that's a curiosity I had thought that's about. That's interesting. I never really thought about that. And I guess I never, I mean, I've thought about, you know, when someone has an accent from, you know, one part of the world and then they speak in another language, like, yeah, how that, 
how their natural accent affects how they speak that other language. And I happened to find like a tweet that showed like a TikToker who was like British because the, the original tweet was about like do, when British people speak like Spanish, what do they sound like? And so the video that was posted was of a British girl speaking in Spanish and you can hear that bit of uh, English accent coming through. Right. And then she's like, and then she's able to speak Spanish because she's very fluent and without so much of the English accent. And then she ends the video with speaking in Spanish, but with a heavy English accent. And she's like, and sometimes I'll just speak like this because it's funny. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but it, it really got me thinking about just that kind of cross of different languages and accents and how those all kind of sound like, like someone from the South, maybe speaking Korean. I would like to hear that. I right. think that would be hilarious. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> so that's very interesting. I kind of, it's, it's fun how that all kind of came full circle. You had that thought. I came across it independently elsewhere. And now here we are. Right. Uh, another thing. Fun. Another thing about accent is that once uh, I was talking to a girl that was from Austria and we talked about Arnold Schwarzenegger and she says, yeah, his she, now his accent sounds funny to them, to the people living in Austria, because is it, even though we can still kind of hear his accent, his it's so much more improved than like when he first came over to America. Mm-hmm. But uh, now because his accent is so altered from you know, decades, a lifetime living in this country. Now that when he goes back home, he sounds funny to them, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. that's that's another funny thing. Or well, same thing with uh, somebody like um, I'm trying to think of the, who's the person that played Princess Leia. Um, oh, Carrie Fisher. Yeah, Carrie Fisher. Like you notice that her her accent kind of switches when she's in Star Wars, like. When she's amongst the Imperials, it sounds a little bit more British. And then when she's amongst the Rebels, it sounds a little bit more American. And that's kind of because she was studying in England at the time she got the role to play Star Wars. She was studying oh. acting in in Great Britain. So her accent had kind of started to change mm-hmm. when, when she was around the British people. So that's why it kind of switches back and forth in Star Wars. So oh, I guess I that's I've just never noticed that. Yeah, I'll I'll pay attention more next time we watch it. Yeah, cool fun facts. And yeah, <laughs> so you you see it more in the Star Wars: A New Hope. You see it more there. Like when you mm-hmm. first hear it, it sounds more uh, English, and then okay. later on, and then as the film progresses, it sounds less English. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, also, I noticed that uh, switching gears, Arnold Schwarzenegger is extremely suave. It's like he's way more suave than you normally see him because he's not mm-hmm. playing the, a spy character. So he's it's really aping James Bond. So every everything that James Bond is doing, he's doing in this movie. And uh, I was like, well, he he cleans up nice. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this movie was almost like peak Arnie in a way, yes. like his his physique. And just like the the kind of nature of this movie, and as we've said, it's kind of uh, it's aged well, and it's really it's for all audiences. I mean, to get a little stereotypical, it's very like a lot of women could watch this that maybe don't get into action movies. Um, I think there are the the com- and and the the rom com components, and then yeah, Arnie just looks good. Right, right. <laughs> it's like peak physique, peak Arnie. <laughs> the hair's on point. <laughs> Another one, another one of my favorite scenes is that the uh, the whole chase scene when he's trying to get out of that 
area uh, of their first mission. So he's, he's he's running down a hill and he's being chased by people on skis and snowmobiles and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And just as he meets the van, right? Uh, like, I, I like that whole sequence. I, all of the action sequences in this movie are top-notch. So yeah. when he gets to the van, there's still one more guy that's like, he's on one side of the van, Arnie's on the other side. So before he gets inside, he tells... He tells uh, his partner, lean back a little bit. And the guy leans back and he shoots through the window. They had that guy that was on the other side of the van. I thought that was brilliant. That's, mm-hmm. That is so crazy. It's so, he's so <laughs> casual about it. Hey, lean back a little bit. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I love lean that. Lean back part so too. I don't shoot you in the face. <laughs> Like, in real life like how loud would that be and like scary it would be super sp- loud it would be super loud that was so that's he's in a enclosed space the gun is basically in his face it would be super loud you hear of actors losing their hearing when they forget their hearing aids because they're all mm-hmm. i mean their ear protection because they're all wearing ear protection so they don't go deaf i think uh i'm not sure if it was uh linda hamilton but i think it was her so that's she kind of lost partial hearing because one time, and I think she was shooting a, one of the Terminator movies. She forgot to put on her hair protection and uh, the gun went off in her face and it, it wasn't a good day or a Aww. good life if you lose partial part of your hearing. So yeah, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Yeah. Guns are problematic. So uh, <laughs> uh, also um, when I, I read Eliza Dusku when I was doing the, the notes and she was in this movie, I was like, oh yeah, I remember her. She's from dollhouse or something and uh, that's the only thing that i remember her in and then uh when i see her i was like oh my god that's right she's a baby in this movie yes <laughs> oh she's just so oh she, she is she's just a little baby <laughs> yeah she so she was 12 years old when she made this movie. It was like oh my god she's so mm-hmm. she's so young and then she has a dog named this gizmo so i guess it's kind of synergy with gremlins yeah <laughs> Yeah, I I always I went through her IMDb because I'm like I I know she was in this movie and Bring It On with Kirsten Dunst, the cheerleading movie, which I love. Right, and, right. <laughs> with the jazz hands and everything, um, and I was kind of surprised that I hadn't actually seen more of her of her work. So, but it's like I feel like she was kind of maybe just like in the 90s she was kind of a bit of an it girl i mean she wasn't starring in she wasn't the lead in uh bring it on but i feel like she she just worked a lot throughout right, the 90s right. and i feel like we got to know her face and name and i've always i always thought her name was super cool and fun and unusual and i always I'm a bit of a sucker for kind of those deeper voices very like uh Kathleen Turner you know just kind of that deep sultry and so she's kind she kind of has that and i love it so i've always been a fan right right she was also in buffy the vampire slayer and um that is i think that's where a lot of people probably remember her something because i i remember dollhouse and i and that that's the only thing that i've watched her besides this movie that i've seen her in um but i know that she was i didn't watch buffy but i know that uh that was a very popular show at one time (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Uh, there's also a scene where uh, Arnold puts on 
uh, sunglasses. I was like, okay, now he looks just like the Terminator. There's no, mo- yes. there's no way that he can wear sunglasses, especially wearing glasses, sunglasses, and not look like the Terminator. I think that was on purpose. That's so true. <laughs> it, it feels, it, you know, it feels on purpose. Like right, 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 right. It was intentional, but they were cool sunglasses. That's how he found out uh, his daughter was stealing from him. <laughs> yes, I love the spy glasses, and then I love that the camera was in a pack of Lucky Strikes. Right, right, right. <laughs> So 90s. <laughs> yeah, so 90s. So also there's um in every movie that he's in, Arnold, uh Arnold Schwarzenegger, that is not Tom Arnold. Uh, <laughs> he always has these weird displays of strength. So they had this fantastic fight in the bathroom, and during this fight, he rips off a hand dryer and uses it to smack somebody in the face. Um, yeah, I don't see that happening though. I don't see him ripping <laughs> A hand dryer off the off the thing. They're screwed in pretty good. They're screwed into the wall. They're screwed into the concrete. You just don't rip those things off. And he's always doing stuff like that in the movies. It's like, well, he's a strong guy, so I guess he can do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Like, you're just like, well, we've got Arnie, so we need him to rip something off the wall, or yeah, so show some big, large amount of strength and right, <laughs> do right, something right. completely improbable. Yes, I'm here for it. So what did you think of the horse chase? I love it. I love it so much. It's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I love everything about this movie. Um, there, In watching it, there was a lot of questions I had that I never had before. And I don't need answers to them, but I'm just like, huh, it never really stuck out. <laughs> but, oh, God, I love the horse chasing. And it's like he's giving orders uh, to Tom Arnold's character about, like, oh, I need, you know, this perimeter and, you know, guys over here as he's, like, riding a horse through, I assume, downtown New York. like uh, No, I, that's, I, I think that's Washington, D.C. Or Washington, D.C. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then going through the building, like, he's chasing the baddie on the dirt bike. And it's just, and he's in the elevator yeah. <laughs> on the horse. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And the, the people are in there, like, logic? nice yeah. animal, right? <laughs> also... I'm glad that the horse isn't stupid, right? So yeah. the bad guy, he's on his motorcycle. He he jumps like a ramp that's on the edge of the building some kind of way. Some <laughs> Somehow there's a ramp on the edge of the building, mm-hmm. and he uses that ramp to jump to a building that's like across the street and lands in the pool. <laughs> is, is that possible? <laughs> I don't care. I don't, I don't yeah, care. Right? It's fun. <laughs> But yeah. Arnold decides he's going to take his horse and he's going to run. He's going to jump and try to make the same jump. And the horse is running. And then it stopped. It was like, because the horse is like, no, what are you doing? I'm not doing that. Smart horse. Love yeah, that horse. horse is not dumb. Arnold, uh, he ended up like dangling off of the horse and he had to convince the horse to back up mm-hmm. so that he d- <laughs> so that he doesn't fall off the building. So that was awesome. Yeah. I, you know, when we talk about the lack of logic and, you know, things happening, you don't care. One of the things that I noticed that I don't really recall standing out before, but just made me laugh so stinking hard was during the bridge scene and, you know, they blow out the bridge. First of all, let's just have this secret agent just destroy bridges. No big deal. It's right. fine. It's orders from the directly from the president. The president's cool with this. Um, but then the one truck that's kind of teetering on the edge and eventually tips over because of the seagull, 
Nice little tropey comedy bit. Love it. But then the second the grill hits the water, the truck yeah, explodes. Yeah, 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 the truck explodes. The biggest explosion from the back. Right, right, right. <laughs> Well, I laughed so yeah, hard. Yeah, that was crazy. Oh, like, well, I, I, I could kind of, uh, I'm going to say, well, they had something in the truck. It was like the the, right. the main truck wasn't the only truck that had nuclear explosives. They are all terrorists. So they had something that goes boom when you, maybe they were packing C4. No, not C4, because that, that needs electrical debt. Something that that goes boom when you bump it. Like, I guess they were yeah. carrying ni- nitroglycerin, maybe, for some reason. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll write some fan fiction to clear that up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's that it, they always do that. They always like just like the the snowmobile, the snow ski thing, or whatever you call it. I guess you call it a snowmobile, whatever he's right in the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie. It hits yep. a tree and explodes. Like things just don't <laughs> explode. But you know, action movies they got to do it. That, yep. There's only one action movie that I've seen. There's probably maybe a couple more, but one that I remember in particular where a car. Like it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's the last action hero. He gets into a car and he decides to play chicken with this other car. And I they, love that movie. It, right, right. And they go and they ram into each other, but there's no explosion because uh, the kid tells him, "No, it, it's not going to happen the way you think. It's not. It's, you, it's, you're just going to crash, right? And all you just crash. <laughs> there's no explosion. It's just like an everyday crash where people are crashing every day. So yeah, that is uh, and but in a movie like this one, in like True Lies, it's it's going to be a big a big explosion. So uh, mm. another person I want to point out is Simon, played by Bill Paxton, uh, a, a major part of this movie because because of his he he's making uh, Harry think that his wife is having an affair, and, and it's sort of kind of she's sort of kind of <laughs> getting a with this, so, so yeah a little bit she's she's getting up, she's having an inappropriate relationship with this dude, mm. not a full on affair, but it ain't right. right either. This is not a proper friend. <laughs> Exactly. She's not telling her husband about it, so right, there's something right, kind right, of, right, yeah. Right. Now, there's a reason. I, I, I get that she, she believes that he's a spy, so there's a reason that she doesn't tell her husband about it. But still, it, it's, you know, it's kind of icky, and you kind of feel that she should have known better, but she's at she's at a place in her life where she explains later on, it's like, you know, it's, she feels like she's not going to do anything. She's not going to accomplish anything. She wanted to do something and she wanted to say, I did that. And that was a great scene. That was the interrogation mm-hmm. scene. But yeah, Bill Paxton as the scumbag, he may he rest in peace. He was awesome in this movie. Yes, <laughs> yes he was Talk about another great comedic relief. I right. mean, <laughs> right, right, right. Pants, like twice. Right. <laughs> Poor Simon. He's going there trying to trying to con women that he's a uh, what you call it, and then when uh, that he's a spy, and then when Harry finds out, like everything that Schwarzenegger is doing as as Harry finding out his wife is having affairs, it's awesome. So there's a part where Tom Honor he's going. Uh, his, his, his first reaction is congratulations, buddy. Now you know, right? <laughs> 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 it's it's like it's like his partner uh is happy for him like albert uh-huh. is happy that his wife that that his partner's wife is having an affair or albert is happy mm-hmm. that harry's wife is having an affair and it's weird right he yes. brings this weird energy it's like welcome to the club right exactly <laughs> he's like yeah you know wife number two and like oh buddy. right <laughs> and then he tries to say stuff like that to help him out and he was and then Harry gets upset and he's like, stop cheering me up. Right? Yeah. 
Well, and I love that too because it's like when when Harry first finds out because he's gonna try and surprise Helen at her office yes. and she gets the call, and so he does like that slow, sad, like Charlie Brown walk out of the the building and almost gets hit by a bus. And it's just funny to see a man of that size and stature just with the kind of droopy shoulders and kind of like very sad that sad Charlie Brown walk, and it. So just the visual of that alone is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then it, there's at one point which uh, um, Albert says, "Women can't live with him, can't kill him, right?" <laughs> and that's and people think might think, "Well, that's totally misogynistic." But you got to remember, this is a spy talking. It's a spy. And yes, that's, exactly. And that's the way a spy would think. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And that's what it, made it funny to me. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what a spy would say. Yeah. <laughs> that, or that's how he would use that phrase. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I thought it was still funny. And contextually, it makes sense. Right. Out of context, then, yeah, you're just like, oh, okay. Right. You know, red flags. Yeah. Um, but no, within the movie, it's it's fine. Right. <laughs> I, I also like the uh, the... The uh, how they how they wrote the movie where the salesman pretends to be a spy and then there's a spy who's pretending to be a salesman and mm-hmm. and they run into each other and mm-hmm. and, and that that is awesome. So uh, one one of my favorite things uh, about that whole interaction when they finally get rid of uh, Bill Paxton's character is that first they have the great scene where they interrogate. The Jamie Lee Curtis and that that was an awesome scene they have her in there uh, <laughs> they talk to her through the deep voice through reverse glasses mm-hmm. and she finally loses it and, and basically finds her strength in that moment Yeah. and then uh, when they get the Bill Paxson character and uh, he's like you know they he's like see I'm peeing my pants with a spy pee his pants <laughs> yeah. and then they uh, they just leave and there's like get the fuck out of here Can I yeah <laughs> And then, and then and Albert shoots at him. You know, the, he doesn't shoot mm-hmm. at him, but he shoots at the ground to tell you know, yeah. uh, the the back him off. That was that was hilarious. Classic, so, yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely hits the spot. So, oh, well, I forgot to mention when they when they first go to uh, to abduct um, both Jamie Lee Curtis and Bill Paxson, and he basically. He requisitions a team, like he's using government resources to kidnap yes. these people. And it's like, and uh, Tom Arnold was like, "You can't do that. It's like you'll get in trouble. I'm, I'm going to tell." It's like, "Well, I'm going," and he, "I'm going to tell on you, right?" <laughs> so Harry goes, "I'm going to tell on you," and he's like, "Okay, let's do it." Let's do it. Yeah. So he has this entire, he has helicopters, yeah, scenes, and then one of the guys hits Harry's wife. In the back of her head with the butt of his wife. I was like, oh my God, you hit his wife. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm sure yeah. he didn't know. He didn't know. No. But, but it's like, still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, I love the gross abuse of power and resources right. <laughs> in this movie. I don't care. And you know, this movie for me has a lot of like, okay, you know the song uh, Pina Coladas? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this movie for, Okay, so a few years ago, I'm a little ashamed to admit this, but whatever, I don't care. I, I actually like was listening to the lyrics and paying attention to the song, and I was like, this song's really messed up. So it's about a couple that are kind of bored, and basically what happens is they both end up placing an ad, and 
separately and then they come together and be like oh you like pina coladas i like like they're looking to cheat on each other right 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 and they happen on each other's ads and it's like you can read into that however you want but the fact is unless it was like consensual role play they were fixing to cheat on each other (laughs) right right and then they came back around so for some reason like this movie this last time watching it kind of gave me a bit of pina colada vibes like like helen's looking for Something a little spicier to, you know, she's bored, whatever. So she's kind of follows Simon because, like, oh, that's an adventure, you know. And then you've got uh, uh, Harry, who is a spy. And then they, through their <laughs> through their shenanigans, they come around and they come together. And they're just like, and then by the end, they're a happy spy couple. Right, right, right. And I, it just, you know, it's an oversimplification, but it just, it kind of gave me those vibes. So I'm like, this is like the mo- movie version of that with right. explosions. Yeah, the, I'm here for it. The thing about it is that, you know, Harry's profession necessitates a strain on his marriage. And he's trying to keep his marriage together. And at the same time, he's trying to do his job. So and that, that, the problem is that that puts a strain on his marriage. So he mm-hmm. recognizes this and he tries to rectify it, which mm-hmm. is which is it's it seems like a conversation that they could have had before. <laughs> It's a little bit elaborate, (laughs) but I guess nowadays people aren't afraid to, you know, grab a therapist to to help them work through their problems. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But um, and then one other thing that I liked that uh, also kind of didn't make sense, but I didn't notice it back in the day was when they're on they're in the Florida Keys and they're kind of um. Harry has already rescued Helen and yada yada, and the the main baddie is talking about like they're doing making their video about like with their threats and everything, and they've got their nuclear warhead that they've armed for like ninety minutes, and they've got it in a crate and they put an American flag over it, and then they like put it in the ground and then they dump concrete on it, like a lot, like that's not going to cure in ninety minutes. No, no, it's so not. So why? <laughs> It's it's just to make it less detectable because they they're going to take okay. it through uh to like if they get stopped they're not likely to get stopped by the police but in case they are the the only thing the police is going to see is a box of uncured concrete and it's like okay you can carry but see, on see that seems whatever. like a red flag <laughs> I mean it might but you I know mean, <laughs> again not, they're logic. not going yeah they're not going to dig through the concrete to find anything uh so yeah that it was and oh, yeah. also uh you you have mentioned that them blowing up the bridge that that was the reason why they blew up the bridge is that you know the the nuclear weapon is is well the bridge is not import, as important as the nuclear weapon that's on the bridge mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I suppose that blowing up a bridge might you know to stop a nuclear <laughs> weapon I, I guess you can get it okay for that yeah uh, going back I, I was thinking about uh the other part of the the scene where the abduction and everything so when they they put they decide to put Harry's wife on a mission and like at, at the end of them setting her up to go on this so-called mission Albert says I'm going to go to hell right he says it <laughs> because he's doing all of these things mm-hmm. and and they go on a mission and they they tell uh Harry's wife Helen to dress sexier so she gets it like the sexiest gown that she can get, and then when she's in the hallway, she decides that she's not sexy enough. So she starts ripping off the frills and whatnot, to, mm-hmm. and she kind of reminds me like when she's done altering her dress, ripping off all the frills and whatnot. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. Um, he's a singer named Robert Palmer. Oh 
yeah. Um, and, addicted and he, to Love. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it's Addicted to Love and there's another music video. But in a lot of his videos, he has these women that were dressed like Helen was dressed. And I think that that was the look that she was trying to achieve. You know, she, I think maybe she remembered the video. So she even uh, went into a vase and and got the water to slick back her hair. So mm-hmm. she looked, she got out some lipstick and made her lips even more red. Right. She's like, yep. well, I'm, I'm a spy now. I got to sex it up a little. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, like you mentioned, the dance, the dance was awesome. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it. like after the dance, then the real mission begins. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Oh, and then, um, oh God, how could I forget, uh, back on the, on the keys and Harry hands Helen, the semi, the automatic weapon. Right. So he's like, shoot them. And she fires and then drops the gun. And then it does the classic, like bouncing down the stairs and then shooting every single baddie and Helen and Harry are fine. And it's just, it's so ridiculous. How can you not love it? Right. It's the best. Right. That that's when you know it's a comedy. It's yeah. like it was like it went from it went from like more of a serious comedy to like full on comedy. This is this is close to uh, slapstick. Just like yes. another another comedic moment was uh, when the the terrorist he's giving the serious speech and he's <laughs> video recording this serious speech about like how he's gonna blow up a nuclear weapon and next thing you know the guy who's holding the camera the battery slow light is flashing you know like, he's running <laughs> his oh, battery's God, so about funny. to die then his battery died and he doesn't want to say anything <laughs> mm-hmm. he was he was for real for real just gonna he's record with pretend record with no <laughs> With no battery, with a dead camera. He was going to record the rest of the speech with a dead camera. Then he realized how messed up that would be. And he tells his leader and he gets, he, he loses his mind. It's like, go yep. get another battery then. It was like, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that was, I love that part too. I, I just, I love this movie. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. It's great. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at my, it's funny how sometimes you make notes and then I'm looking at them now and then I don't know what any of it means. Like I wrote, <laughs> Set off the nukes with a question mark. I don't remember what that means. Uh, there's a negative nine zero one. I don't know what that means. Something about the nuke. I don't remember what that means. I got to take better <laughs> notes. I wrote the note Crimson Jihad because that's the name of the terrorist group, Crimson Jihad. Uh, oh, but I did write a uh, trademark task or takeoff. And that was a funny moment. So... <laughs> <laughs> so this is when he gets into the Harrier because they had the Harrier jets. Harriers mm-hmm. is like the coolest jets in, in most of history because they were vertical takeoff and landing jets. They were a really big deal when this movie came out that Marines used it to recruit people. It was it was mm-hmm. awesome. So like whenever you see a Harrier jet, it's, it's like a fantastical vehicle. It's like you can't possibly do this. And yet that's what it's doing is it's taking off vertically, it's landing <laughs> vertically. Mm-hmm. But uh, when Harry tries to do it, it's like his he hasn't driven he hasn't flown a plane in like ten years. So he's trying to take off and he's bouncing to everything and he's backing into other vehicles and <laughs> Albert is like, Yeah, that's a classic tasker takeoff. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to convince people that he knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> but but to back up how you mentioned we were talking about the bridge. So that's like one of the one of the best moments in the movie was when uh, Helen, after she beats up uh, Tia Carrera, she's 
now she's on a car with a dead driver and she's going straight towards the end of the bridge. Now you think the car would crash into one of the barriers or slow down to a stop, but no, it doesn't. It continues mm-hmm. as if somebody was driving it and uh, she has to be rescued and she gets rescued through the sunroof and it slips off of her like a dress that was too big. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. That was an awesome yeah. scene. I love it. And then I remember uh, for the VMAs for that year, I think Jamie Lee Curtis was like presenting or something, but she made her entrance was the helicopter scene. So they lowered her down and it wasn't Arnie, but it was, you know, somebody, but she's dangling there facing the crowd and the camera and everything. And she's in character screaming, Harry, Harry. Right, right. It was amazing. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> it was, I was 13, so I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that would have been cool if I watched the awards. But yeah, uh, I like it when they do neat things at award shows like that. Mm-hmm. There's one when um, Jack Nicholson couldn't appear for an award that he was being presented with because he was filming when flew over the cuckoo's nest so they had a, like a video conference with him i don't know if it was a video conference or if it was just a video of him in character accepting the awards but he was in character of what he was playing in one flew over the cuckoo's nest because that's what they were filming and that oh, was a, no way. another awesome oscars moment <laughs> i'd never oh that's awesome i never seen that i think that was like in the 70s and i was too young yep. to appreciate that but i've seen a youtube video of that and and that was it's, it's neat when they can do stuff like that yeah yeah, I actually just watched the, that movie from start to finish for the first time uh, recently uh, for my podcast. So, because I'm doing a, a series of movies that Jen hasn't seen. So, I have a small right, list right, of right. like IMDb's top 100 movies, and I haven't seen about half of them. So, I'm going right. to go through and finish that list. And yeah, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, amazing. I get it. All the All the acclaim and everything, fantastic. Right, right. I I need to go and watch that movie now. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone should. (laughs) So, uh, you had Harry take off in a in a Harriet jet. Uh, He when he finally gets it to work, and he goes and he fights the bad guy in the tower. I think they're in Los Angeles. No, they're in Florida. So I guess Miami, because that's where the tall buildings are. And so he he fights the so the whole terrorist fight at you know, at the building was awesome. How he found the building or anything, you know, we're going to hand wave that because we don't need to know all of that. All we need to know is that the hero found a bad guy and then his daughter is in jeopardy and she's fighting a bad guy. All all of that was was really nice. Well, and it's like he he's Harry's in the jet and he's on the comms with uh, Gib and he's like, you know, <laughs> he tells Gib, give me the address because, you know, Gib's like they have Dana. Yada, right, yada. right, right. And it's like, OK, so you can give him the street address. Is that automatic? Like, how familiar is he with yeah, that's, this that's the city? Thing. Streets and look, I... Yeah, streets look different <laughs> when you're flying above them than when you are. Like driving on the street. It's not, not, it's not like you can look at the street signs, right? So, right. And it's not like Google Maps was a thing where he could pull it up in like bird's eye view mode and right. be like, oh, yes, here I am. Right. I am here. They are there. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, but in, yeah. but that's, that's the hand wavy part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's, but, uh, but like I said, because that was the first thing I was wondering. It's like, yeah, uh, I, I don't know how realistic you can find somebody while you're flying a jet. Maybe if you're flying a helicopter, because that's why you can, uh, they have that window where your feet are at on the helicopter. So mm-hmm. you can look straight down, but you can't do that in the jet. <laughs> but, that, but that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. It's it's okay. Anyway, so he does find <laughs> it. 
I like how it was like he's uh fighting the, he's in a jet a jet uh fighting a helicopter and then they have they're actually doing a fist fight on top of the jet all, all of that was just fantastic um yep. and then uh he finished his bad guy by because his bad guy gets caught on the missile uh was it yeah missile yeah and he fires the missile he says you're fired it's classic yes. classic yes. Schwarzenegger line it was it worked tremendously well Mm-hmm. And then, as you mentioned at the end of the movie, that now everybody's a spy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she so they saved their marriage, and she got the life that she wanted. <laughs> she got an exciting life. Now she can look back and she says, "I did that. I did that." So yeah, that's it's right. A beautiful and they thing. Have, and they have fun spy date nights where yeah. they can still go do the tango and literally scare the piss out of Simon. Yeah. Life is good yeah. for the taskers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's it for uh, talking about our favorite parts. Uh, I hope uh, that you talk about and discuss your favorite parts of this movie. And we'll be right back. When we come back, we'll be talking about the trivia. All right, we're back with the trivia, and we get our trivia from IMDb, the greatest source of trivia in the known universe. (laughs) So, Jen, why don't you start us off with the trivia? Let us know what the the behind-the-scenes scuttlebutt (laughs) with this movie. All right, let's see. I'm going to have to pull this up on my phone because I have bad eyes. And I can't see the tiny print that well. So I apologize. Give me one second. That's all right. My my eyes are bad, too. It's getting to the point where I can't use my glasses to see near or far, it seems. It's kind of a problem. <laughs> it's like it's almost like they're just decorative at this right, point. Right, they're right, doing right. very little. <laughs> like I, I actually probably need uh, progressives or bifocals, but I don't. I've tried to use progressive lenses and they're hard for me to use and I don't want to learn. So uh, I guess I'm just going to struggle until it gets to the point where I can't deal with it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of there too. So, all right. Well, so first up for the trivia, uh, we've got when Harry tells Gib that Helen is having an affair, Gib tells a story about his second wife taking everything when she left him, even the ice cube trays from the freezer. This is a direct reference to Tom Arnold's divorce from Roseanne Barr that was happening at the same time. She was reported to have taken his ice cube trays when she left him as well. Arnold told the story to James Cameron on the set while saying, what kind of sick bitch takes the ice cube trays out of the freezer? Cameron thought the line was hilarious and incorporated it into the film. Yes, absolutely. And it was funny in the movie. It was, yes. (laughs) And also, yeah, how petty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to be real petty. I mean, maybe just take one of them, I guess. Yeah. They're, they're only like 50 cents. So. Yeah. It's one of those, it's more of an inconvenience. Because it's like you can pick up ice cube trays anywhere, dollar store, wherever. But it's never something you really think about. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm overthinking this. But right. I'm just like, yeah. That's it it a definitely seems to, to me do. that she was being petty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> right, right, right. Up next, Arnold Schwarzenegger's biggest challenge for the movie was not doing all the physical stunts, but dancing the tango. 
He had to take dancing lessons to realistically perform the dance. He rehearsed the scene for about six months as he wanted to make sure that he was as good at the tango as Al Pacino was in Scent of a Woman from 1992. Yeah, I'm I'm no judge of dance, but it looked good to me. I thought it looked good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm glad he took enough. it seriously. I'm yeah. so glad that he was like, I want it to look good. And he, he really took it seriously and went through the work. So I I'm, I like to see that. Uh, the set of bra and matching panties worn by Helen Tasker during the striptease scene were Jamie Lee Curtis's own. Curtis rehearsed the scene extensively with director James Cameron. And it was there that the fall she makes in the middle of the dance was conceived. It didn't happen spontaneously during the actual shooting, as is often claimed. Arnold Schwarzenegger was not told of this beforehand, and this is hinted at when Harry briefly sits up in alarm, realizes that he is breaking character, and then relaxes. They did another take with the same gag, but Harry's reaction didn't look as spontaneous. Right, right. <laughs> it's hard to fake that, and it looks it so awesome. And they made sure the camera was just right to capture his reaction, so they, they knew that it was going to happen. Yep. <laughs> it was perfect. I it love it so, so much. It was so perfect. It was like she fell, and she got up, and he started <laughs> to get up. It was like, oh, I love that part. <laughs> um, tar- uh, there's, there's another connecting part i should have put it together but we'll get to it but uh in the meantime tom arnold didn't expect to get a role in the movie and went to the audition mostly for the chance to meet the director james cameron he did some scenes with arnold schwarzenegger and cameron immediately noticed the chemistry between the two actors afterwards tom arnold jokingly said about schwarzenegger he's not that big i think i can take him (laughs) which highly amused cameron and sealed the deal initially 20th century fox objected Tom Arnold's reputation at the time wasn't positive, mostly due to his public antics and then-wife Roseanne Barr. But when Cameron threatened to take the movie somewhere else if Tom Arnold couldn't be cast, they relented. When Tom Arnold later learned about this, he was grateful to Cameron for taking a chance on him. He became a good friend of Schwarzenegger and Cameron afterwards. So yeah, that's it. I, I so I mistakenly said before that he got the part because of Schwarzenegger, but he he hadn't actually met Schwarzenegger before. So I, this this is just awesome. It's just awesome that he just auditioned for a role and he got the role based on his abilities. So that's mm-hmm. even better. Yeah, and I really like that uh, James Cameron kind of had his back and fought for him. Right, to right. To keep right. him in the movie, I think I think that's amazing, especially considering kind of Tom Arnold's quote status at the time. Right. So, you know, good on you, James Cameron. Right, absolutely. And he was at a position where he can do that because he mm-hmm. was, at that time, he had become James Cameron. It was, it was right. like, look, I make hit movies. You want a hit movie? <laughs> you let, you're going to do this my way because that's all I do. is I, All I got out here is hits. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Schwarzenegger wasn't supposed to drop the tape recorder. James Cameron liked it and kept it in. Yeah, brilliant decision and it was it was it was like he was so engrossed and and jamie lee Mm -hmm. curtis like he he's like he relaxed his grip Mm -hmm. (laughs) he dropped it and picked it up real quick that looked awesome (laughs) so perfectly with that moment and right you wouldn't ever guess that it was unintentional right it 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 had a lot of real moments in this movie that i appreciate it 
So the U.S. government supplied three Marine Harriers and their pilots for a fee of $100,736 or $2,410 per hour. Now, I didn't get the, uh, the what you call it, the what it, what it would be in today's dollars. I didn't adjust them for inflation, but still, that's a lot of money. That's, that's, that's a lot of money. That's when Hollywood is like, uh, we're going to we're gonna do it. We're going to do it well. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I suppose nowadays they probably wouldn't use CGI, but I'm glad they were able to use the real jets in the original. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool looking, too. So, uh, The soundstage where they shot the Harrier scale model was the largest 180 degrees green screen background ever built. Mm. It's impressive. I I had highlighted the next one accidentally, but you can go ahead and read that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, to film the scenes on the old Seven Mile Bridge in the Keys, like the arrival and takeoff of the Harrier jet, the production crew closed down the traffic on the new Seven Mile Bridge at intervals for seven minutes at a time. Whenever this happened, women were sent among the stopped cars giving drivers Pepsis and bumper stickers that read, I was stopped on the Seven Mile Bridge by Omega Sector. <laughs> that's pretty awesome <laughs> it's adorable that it was like pepsis and bumper stickers <laughs> right 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 it, i mean at least they got something for it right <laughs> yeah exactly i'd be like all right sweet free pepsi it's usually yeah. nothing but inconvenience yeah. <laughs> arnold schwarzenegger had a near fatal accident on a set during the horse riding scene when his horse got startled and ran out of control Schwarzenegger managed to slide off the horse, but did this near a 30-foot drop-off. His personal stuntman saw what happened and was able to grab him before he went over the ledge. Oh, oh my man, God. Tragic. <laughs> no. Oh, my That's Lord. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, good work for the, for the stuntman. Right. Seeing that and being there. Holy moly. And he got back... And- I'm, I'm sure Arnold got right back on the horse. It's like, yeah, let's Literally. take it again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when asked during an interview whether his wife, Maria Shriver, was bothered by him sitting there watching Jamie Lee Curtis strip, Arnold Schwarzenegger said that she asked him about it and he assured her, honey, I hated every hour of it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> According to the Guinness Book of World Records, this was the first movie to have a production budget of $100 million, and this made it the most expensive movie at the time, breaking the record of James Cameron's previous movie, Terminator Terminator 2 Judgment Day from 1991. It would lose this record the next year to Waterworld, 1995. Interesting. That's, you know... Well, I would no, say I, that I su- Waterworld should have been a bigger hit, but wasn't. <laughs> I never saw that one. I haven't seen either. But, you know, I'm looking at this gigantic budget number and it's like, yes, it's James Cameron and everything. And all I could think was like, that was a lot of bumper stickers and Pepsis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in an interview, Cameron said that the idea for the film was suggested to him by Schwarzenegger whose brother-in-law, Robert Shriver, had shown him a French film called La Totale, 1991. Schwarzenegger wanted to do a film like that because he thought the super-secret agent character was interesting. Cameron was surprised because he had never seen Schwarzenegger suggest a project based solely on his interest in a character. 
After watching the film, Cameron loved the idea of presenting a secret agent with nearly unlimited professional resources as a family man, basically asking the question, who would James Bond be if he got home and had to answer to his wife and decided to make the movie? Yes. I love it. Thank you. It worked spectacularly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis called the film, without question, to the greatest experience of my professional life so far. So I don't know uh, when this quote was taken. Maybe she's had better experiences, but she had a very positive experience on this movie. And mm-hmm. it shows. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell. I, I feel like everyone just had a lot of fun here in this movie and, you know, took it for what it was and just enjoyed making it and putting out uh, just a fun, fun ass movie. Right. Let, let me read this next one because I made the same mistake again with okay. the highlighting. <laughs> James Cameron originally hired a team of writers to help come up with the film's jokes. However, after being mostly unsatisfied with their work, Cameron let them go and decided to try his own hand at comedy. He wrote he rewrote the script from scratch and kept only two jokes from the the team of writers. One of which being Arnold Schwarzenegger's famous "You're fired" line, which was kind of cheesy, <laughs> but. I, I I liked it nonetheless. So um that that was interesting. Um seeing as how he mo- rewrote most of the script himself and kept the comedy el- uh, well he made the comedy elements himself. So it's it's surprisingly well done seeing that, you know, um I figured that if you want to do a script with comedy in it, you would hire comedy writers and he fired his comedy writers. So it's mm-hmm. it's a surprise. Maybe he should have hired better comedy writers instead of trying yeah. to do it himself. But still I still had a great time. So he he whatever he did, it worked. So yep. um earlier you had alluded to um the experience that Eliza Duskew had on this movie. So on the, the next bit of trivia talks about this. Okay. Uh in January 2018, Elijah Dushku, uh, Dana Tasker, revealed that she was a 12-year-old child actress making this movie. Uh, she was sexually molested by the film's 36-year-old stunt coordinator, Joel Kramer. Dushku detailed how Kramer groomed her for several months to gain her friendship and her parents' trust, contrived to spend an evening alone with her, and then molested her. Dushku also said that after an adult friend confronted him on the set about the abuse, she was injured during a stunt. Dushku alleges that this was, quote, no small coincidence. To be clear, over the course of those months rehearsing and filming True Lies, it was Joel Kramer who was responsible for my safety on a film that at the time broke new ground for action films. On a daily basis, he rigged wires and harnesses on my 12-year-old body. My life was literally in his hands. He hung me in the open air from a tower crane atop an office tower 25-plus stories high. Whereas he was supposed to be my protector, he was my abuser, end quote. After her statement, Dushku's co-stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lou Curtis, Tom Arnold, and James Cameron all tweeted their respect and admiration for her bravery. Yeah, it's kind of messed up that she had to go through something like that. I never knew, and I was so sorry that that happened to her. I mean, what else can you say? But that's... I hope that guy... (laughs) I hope Karma found that guy. Right, right, yeah. It's up to Karma now, because he certainly... Apparently, he never got punished at the time, and he probably continued some abusive behavior mm-hmm. th- throughout his work in Hollywood. He's probably dead now or extremely old, but it's kind of, it, it really 
is messed up that this kind of thing is uh, happened. Like it couldn't be a happy experience for everybody. Somebody had to ruin it. And mm-hmm. that, that is um, upsetting. Yeah. And related to what you just read, Alisa Dunsku broke some ribs during filming of her Herod Jet Stud scene. So this is probably related to what she was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the appearance of traits. Oh, I'm sorry. The appearance and traits of Spencer Trilby, Charlton Heston, is based on Nick Fury, a Marvel Comics character. Like Fury, Trilby was or has an eye patch and the same mannerisms, as well as heading a peacekeeping organization. At one point, Cameron wanted to be a comic book penciler and does a lot of his own concept art. He even designed the entire T-800 endoskeleton. Yeah, I can believe it. Now, what a, <laughs> the only what thing, a fun fact. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that. Uh, the only thing about uh, this the Spencer Tripley character, he's not as memorable and he's not as cool as mm-hmm. as uh, Nick Fury. Certainly not the, the Samuel Jackson version. He's not. Right. He's not as suave. He doesn't carry that uh, suave and coolness. Also, um, I, I don't think he even makes a good one compared to David Hanselhoff because David Hanselhoff did a TV movie where he played Nick Fury. And, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Oh, my God. He did. <laughs> It's I'm crazy. Have to find that. <laughs> uh, he, it was more of a campy version. It was like it leaned closer to the 1960s Batman than it does to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Gotcha. But, <laughs> but even Hanselhoff was a little bit more animated and action-oriented than Heston just looks like some long-retired or due-for-retirement character that uh, had you know, like once lost an eye to maybe a paperclip. But it's like... <laughs> Not, not. He's not entirely. He he doesn't speak. You know, he doesn't have the Nick Fury vibe. He just right. maybe has similarities to the look, but not the feel. Certainly, of right. Nick Fury. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely uh, appreciate and like the uh, Sammy version. Yeah, more. yeah, <laughs> definitely a lot more fun. Like you said, definitely more charismatic. Hundred percent. Do you know how the Sammy version, as you say, came into being? Um, not completely. I I think I may have heard like long ago that um, maybe when creating the character for the movies, they had Sammy in mind or like for some newer version, like within the comic series, they had yeah, Sammy some, in mind. Okay. Something like that. So what something happened like years ago, uh, Marvel had splintered off a new version of their Marvel Comics universe. This is before the MCU, obviously. So Marvel Comics is, is always kind of you know, like generate interest in, in their books. So they'll, they'll create like a new universe. So they had created a Marvel comics universe. They called the ultimate universe. And they started it with a superhero team called the ultimates. And in the ultimates, they essentially recast all of their, uh, the main superhero characters. They, they gave them new type, uh, a new origin story and so on and so forth. And so when they created the Nick Fury character, the artists made him look exactly like Samuel Jackson. So he was, essentially cast at in a comic book character version of Nick Fury before he was ever, you know, before they ever considered making the MCU before the first Iron Man film, before all of that. So when it came time to uh, do the movies and they were going to cast Nick Fury, uh, basically people were like, well, he's already in a comic. So you might as well make it real. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> They've already cast him. Yep. Right. Right. He's, he's already there. So that's basically how it came about. 
or how it came about. So, um, uh, I've lost my place. Uh, you just read about Jamie Lee Curtis, I think. Uh, it was the Spencer Charlton. Heston. Oh yeah, yeah, Charlton Heston. See, I, I forgot even what we were talking about. <laughs> I just went off on a tangent and I lost the thread of the conversation. So. To continue, many problems plagued the shooting of the opening sequence. The mansion scene was filmed on an extremely cold night, and the mansion itself was not heated. All of the women wore dresses with nothing underneath, and the costume change room was set up outside in the cold. Kerosene lamps were used to heat the tents, and one of the extras' blouses caught fire. (laughs) For their suffering through the harsh cold night, the extras were paid an additional $50. Aww. 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 They don't look like they're freezing. That's amazing. So uh, good acting there. Yeah. But they should have did did a better job of that. That was ridiculous. Exactly. (laughs) They couldn't give them the $50 and a Pepsi and a bumper sticker. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) It seems like they need a hot cocoa or coffee rather than uh, a Pepsi. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or I don't know if you've tried this, but I've seen an old ad where when Dr. Pepper was, uh, you know, advertising their soda and whatnot. One of the things they did, they advertised it as a hot beverage. Have you ever had hot Dr. Pepper? Oh, if your listeners could see my face right now, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, thank you. Uh-uh. I have tried it and it's actually kind of tasty. <laughs> really? Like, wow, that's, that's an interesting thing to do is to have hot Dr. Pepper. <laughs> so you just like warm it up like on the stove or something no, like no, you would? Like, well, or, I, I just did it in or, the microwave. I'm pretty okay. sure back in the 50s, they had all they had was a stove, but I just took a cup and put it in sure, the microwave sure. and I was like, oh, that's that's pretty that's a pretty neat experience <laughs> is it still like carbonated or is it yes still a that's bubbly? the thing it's because it's carbonated and it's hot so it, it has an extra heat to it so it's carbonated and it's hot and it's still sweet because it's soda so it's, okay. it's just it's kind of like a, a weird sweet drink that it has a very interesting flavor and it already doesn't taste like regular soda it already has yeah. a different flavor so i wouldn't try it with regular huh. soda but trying it with that go ahead and try it you're not you're not going to okay. lose anything. Like, right. if you don't like it, it's just a can of Dr. Pepper. Right. You can either refreeze it or throw it out. Right. You're out about a dollar. All right. Okay, now I am intrigued. All right, yeah. I take back the face I made, and I'm <laughs> curious, so. Right, right. All right, so let's see. Um, okay. Jamie Lee Curtis said that in his contract, Arnold Schwarzenegger gets top billing, then... Uh, top billing, then the title, then the title, then it would have said starring Jamie Lee Curtis. But when James Cameron finished editing the film and he saw that the film was really a, quote, domestic epic, it's a film about a marriage, end quote. So James Cameron phoned Arnold Schwarzenegger and asked him if it would be okay to put Jamie Lee Curtis's name before the title, to which Arnold uh, immediately agreed. In the world of show business, as Jamie Lee Curtis has said, quote, The credit is such a coveted negotiable commodity, end quote, that for Arnold Schwarzenegger to give her billing before the title was, quote, uh, quote, was a real mensch move on his part, end quote. I don't know if I pronounced that word correctly. Mensch? 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 Yep. I think that's how you say it. (laughs) So what's interesting is I don't remember seeing her name before the title. Maybe it was. 
Um, it certainly isn't in the uh, what you call it. I, I will have to re uh, rewatch that the opening credits. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she is right. That's that's a real important part. It's not in the posters, but nope. on this, I think probably in the movies. I meant to look for this, but I forgot to look for it. So I, I don't remember. Maybe in the version I have, it's not set up that way. But she is right that that's super important to have the uh, that particular commodity where your name above the title. That's how or or the billing order. I, there there have been feuds over actors not being first in the credits. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, up next, Tom Otto said that he and Harry, played by Schwarzenegger, were the only ones totally honest with each other in the movie, and that is correct because everybody seems to be lying. Uh, Harry's wife lies to Harry. He lies to his wife. Uh, the the salesman lies. The the uh, what you call it? Harry is because he's a spy. He's basically lying to everybody. You have the the terrorists are lying. Well, actually, I don't know. The terrorist seems to be telling the truth. I can't think of an instant where the terrorist actually lies. But <laughs> uh, I don't think so because I think like even their kind of working relationship with Tia Carrera's character there's honesty there right right she's right. like well you're lucky you're paying me all this money yeah that, yeah 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 but i think as at least among the protagonists the the characters are always honest with each other so yeah that's that that's an excellent observation yeah yeah um and i never really noticed that but absolutely uh let's see production took su sufficiently long for the movie to run significantly behind schedule Tia Carrera's contract was only for seven weeks, but because of long periods of shooting, she ended up earning seven months of pay. Bill Paxton was able to shoot another movie during breaks in filming, and James Cameron was frequently called by Roseanne Barr, who demanded that he allow her soon-to-be ex-husband Tom Arnold to return to the set of Roseanne. My God, that <laughs> <woman's> cuckoo. <laughs> right, right. Just all the problems. Oh, my Lord. All the problems. So James Cameron had known Jamie Lee Curtis since she had been directed by his ex-wife, Catherine Bigelow, in Blue Steel from 1990, and always wanted to work with her. However, his friend Arnold Schwarzenegger initially did not see her as Helen, his on-screen wife. Not wanting to hurt Cameron's feelings, Schwarzenegger relayed the message to his agent, and Cameron respected his wish. He auditioned many actresses to find a replacement, but after watching Curtis... In A Fish Called Wanda from 1988, he knew he would not find one. So Cameron went on to Schwarzenegger and asked if he could be, if he trusted him. When Schwarzenegger confirmed, Cameron said, it's going to be Jamie. Schwarzenegger begrudgingly agreed and to his credit showed no negative feelings towards Curtis during the first days on the set. I'm pretty sure they kind of warmed up to each other and I can't yeah. see anybody else playing this because... Curtis looks like a housewife. She looks like a housewife. And plus, like when she does the dance scene, uh, when she thinks her husband is, uh, when they set up that mission for her, because I, I can't say that her husband is like, she doesn't know her husband is even in the room. But mm -hmm. when she does that dance scene, it's like, oh, she's housewife and she transitioned to being sexy at the same time. Mm -hmm. So she's like the perfect choice. <laughs> I completely agree. I, I can't see anybody else in this role. I think that their on-screen chemistry worked really well like i'm watching it i'm like you know what i like arnie and jamie as a couple yes as a husband wife i like this 
So I'm glad that it worked out. I think that's awesome that Arnie was very professional and wasn't uh, a butthead towards Jamie on her first days of being on set. And I'm glad that it worked out because, yeah, I think Jamie Lee Curtis can definitely do kind of mousy housewife and then sexy, sexy lady. <laughs> right. And she, sexy uh, housewife. <laughs> and I recently seen her as a evil bureaucrat on uh, everything everywhere all at once <laughs> yes oh my god that movie's so good absolutely i love that movie i also did an episode on that yes so okay uh let's see at one point in the film tasker uses an mk2 hand grenade to kill several terrorists for those wondering where this grenade came from that would be me uh it was originally in the script that juno put a grenade between helen's legs saying all she had to do was keep is keep her legs closed which helen remarks is a problem juno seems to have Ooh. Uh, when the two escape <laughs> sorry <laughs> i haven't read this one so this is fun um let's see when the two escape harry repinned the grenade using helen's diamond earring for use again later they cut this scene out of the film, causing this grenade's presence to be a continuity error. However, the scene remains in the novelization by Dewey Graham and Dwayne Del Amico. Uh, this grenade, complete with the earring in place of the pin, is prominently visible on many of the posters for the movie and on the Region 2 DVD cover. Uh, you know what? I, I know. never thought about the grenade. <laughs> I never did until the other night. And I was like, no, seriously, where'd that come from? Right, and then again, right. I was like, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> right, right. I, I I was thinking that it probably was a grenade that was already in the car or something. I mean, yeah, they are terrorists. They keep stuff lying. There's stuff lying around all the time. They just leave exactly. stuff lying around. And it's very just messy. Happen to pick one up and instinctually knows how to use it. Throw the grenade. I, I don't know. It's I never even thought about it. <laughs> So this is the first Hollywood movie to be released in Vietnam since the Vietnam War. And so that's interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I think that's It's like America kind of spreading. We're friends now, right? Yeah. <laughs> kinda, we're cool. We're cool. Okay. Uh, we, we cool now? We cool? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for the opening credits. Uh, 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 not the opening credits. Where am I? See, I always do that. I always, I always get my segments mixed up. That was trivia. I hope you learned something from the trivia. I hope you uh, found something interesting. And thanks for joining us for the trivia. And up next, we're going to talk about what the critics thought. All right, we're back to talk about what the critics thought. And the critics gave, oh, you know what? I didn't. I forgot to highlight these, but I'll read the first couple and then you read the second couple. So anyway, the okay. critics gave it a 70%. The audience gave it a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes and on IMDb, IMDb reviews, it has a 7.3 out of 10. So pretty high. You got to watch those points on IMDb reviews. So when it gets a 0.3, you're like, oh, the audience really likes it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a great movie. Um, So Diane Byerge... I think mm -hmm. I pronounced it right. Diane Byerge from The Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> she wrote, Schwarzenegger's comic confidence and good guy tenacity are a perfect balance. While Curtis wins our sympathy as his repressed wife, showing some deadpan dolatry of her own. 
and Jonathan Rosenbaum from Chicago Reader wrote, if the Gulf War gave you an insatiable taste for burning oil and burning Arabs, this extravaganza will tide you over at least a couple of days. So a little bit more negative because he didn't appreciate <laughs> the uh, casting Middle Eastern people from the Gulf region as bad guys. And I totally That's understand fair. that point of view because yep. it's like when when uh, Hollywood picks its bad guys for its military or spy thrillers, it, it kind of gets stuck, right? For like mm-hmm. for a long time, it was the Russians. And then yep. every once in a while, they're throwing the Chinese. And then, you know, when you you got into uh, a, a tiff with the Middle Eastern states, then, you know, the, the Arabs would be the bad guys. And a lot of time, nondescript, are, are, you know, just, um, I remember watching, uh, what's it called? It's a it's an airplane movie that's not Top Gun, Iron Eagle, and so in watching Iron Eagle, the bad guys were Middle Eastern, but nondescript Middle Eastern, like just oh. vague as <laughs> as they could possibly be. So yeah, Hollywood oh, would get stuck, but I don't think that it's a particular problem in this movie, especially given the time and especially and 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 they try to acknowledge it by having the art character. He was also from the Middle East, and he was also uh, basically one of the good guys. He was on Arnold's team, and mm-hmm. he was kind of funny. So, yeah, it, I, I can see them attempting to balance that out. There was a similar movie that uh, Denzel Washington did where they had to deal with terrorists, and then they had uh, Tony Salub, and he was there basically playing a Middle Eastern person. And he had to wrestle with, you know, like, they were, they were, um, in, they were in the United States, and they were basically trying to detain a bunch of people from Middle Eastern descent. And Tony Salute was playing, uh, you know, a partner. He was, I don't know if they were detectives or they were FBI agents. He was playing Denzel Washington's partner. And it's like he had to deal with the consequences of them rounding up his son. It's like his son might be rounded up with all these other people. It's like, so is any of this right? Right. Is, in, is, is any of this tar- just targeting people based on where, what they look like or where they came from. So I can see sometimes Hollywood trying to adjust for certain issues, mm-hmm. but I can, but Jonathan's point is, I have to admit it's completely valid. And, yeah. uh, Diane Byers from the Hollywood reporter. I, I Dwayne. Is that, is yeah. that Dwayne? Oh, Dwayne, shoot. yeah. Dwayne of, of, Yeah, I think a form of Dwayne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he's completely, uh, I feel the exact same way that he felt. <laughs> yeah. uh, both are, uh, both make points and I, I agree with both of them. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Rick Groen of Globe and Mail. However high you're ranking on the culture scale, I defy you to watch this and leave the theater without a whistled, Wow. Followed by a grudging, that's entertainment. <laughs> that's, Absolutely. That laugh. And then Dessen Thompson of the Washington Post said, This mixture of comedy and super agent spectacle works well at first. But when Schwarzenegger's family and working worlds link up an inevitable development, the plot becomes increasingly ridiculous and overwrought. Oh, Get over yourself. Well, it's a fun movie. No, <laughs> I, I get it, it would seem that way if you did not expect to watch a comedy. But I think that if you know that you're going to watch a comedy, then, you know, it, you expect the ridiculousness. Yeah. 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 It gets ridiculous because it's a comedy. It's an action mm-hmm. comedy. And that's that's what's supposed that you're supposed to be laughing at this point. It's like if somebody said, 
oh yeah, the naked gun is ridiculous. It's supposed to be ridiculous. <laughs> it's a comedy, you know. Yeah. Uh, land, you know, when doing a pratfall and landing on a queen is utterly ridiculous, but you know, it's comedy. It's supposed to happen that way. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, I can't remember if the line was in the trailer or not. I feel like it was, but I could be making that up. But during the, uh, when they've, when Harry and Helen have been captured and he's been uh, injected with like the quote truth serum and Helen starts asking him the questions like, well, have you ever killed anybody? And he kind of comes back with that kind of like sluggish, but an almost childlike yeah, but they were all bad. In yeah. His, in his Arnie, that was a really bad Arnie accent. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. But, that you know, because I like I said, I think that line is in the trailer. And so that kind of lets you know right there that this is going to be a fun movie. Yeah. I don't know. That's That was always my take on it. It always makes me laugh. It's just such a silly little bit to throw in there. Or the other thing when she asks him, are we going to die? And he, he's not so like, <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then when the interrogator when the interrogator comes back and he says uh i think he asked arnold a question he says oh well i'm going to use you as a human shield i'm going to kill that guy and, mm-hmm. and i'm going to break your neck <laughs> right it's like yep he forgot i guess the scientist forgot that he shot him up with uh truth serum <laughs> or something because he's like yeah well how are you gonna do that right 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 <laughs> and, like, and he proceeds you... to do it that was that was pretty funny but because he's like yeah you know my cuffs i picked them and right, he lifts right his hands right. up and <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so funny it yeah. is ridiculous but it's a it's just it's fun yeah yeah i, I love fun movies mm-hmm so finally, True Lies is, as of this recording, available for purchase, I guess, if you go and buy it on Amazon, or maybe you could buy it from the library, because it's not <laughs> on a streaming service. But Or you could watch it on Hulu. That's where it is. Uh, you can also, uh, that's it. And I mean, I'm trying to think if there's any place else that you can get it, but no, I can't think of any place else. I maybe can't it, yeah. you can find it at Walmart. Uh, good luck at that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's it for today. Next week. We take a look at my all-time favorite Christmas Christmas movie, A Christmas Story. I might even talk about A Christmas Story Christmas, which is a sequel to A Christmas Story. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter or TikTok at Backlick Cinema or on Facebook or Instagram at Backlick Cinema Podcast. And if you're on Mastodon at Backlick Cinema at mstdn.party. Don't forget that you can contact us with any questions, comments, or suggestions at fanmail at backloosecinema.com. One last time. Oh, before we go, Jen, could you let our audience know where they can find you? Absolutely. So you can uh, listen to the podcast on, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple, pretty much anywhere on any podcast player near you. I have new episodes every Sunday. So you definitely want to make sure that you're following and so you don't miss a single uh, new episode. And then you can follow me on, follow the podcast on Twitter because I'm still there fiddling like I'm on the Titanic like everybody else. It's the biggest band yet um, at Streaming Bubble. And then you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. And like I said, I'm on Tumblr, but as like Tumblr or My Streaming Bubble, I, I the podcast can be found if you just search my streaming bubble. Hopefully everything, all the things pop up. So some of these newer socials, I don't quite have my <laughs> handle name, right? But um, I'll make sure and get all that updated. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
we go. That was it. That's awesome. One last time, if you like the show, then please help us grow. You can do this by subscribing to the show. Rate us, write a review on Spotify, Podchester.com, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. And I know you've enjoyed our guest, Jen. So please listen to my streaming bubble podcast. Believe me, it matters. Be safe. Share a movie from yesteryear with your family. Hug your loved ones. And if you're going to be anything, be outstanding. <laughs>